You are listening to the Science and Soul of Living Well, where we highlight evidence-based tools from psychological science and complementary and alternative medicine to help us all cultivate resilience and live with more meaning, purpose, and alignment with personal values, even in the most stressful and darkest of times. I'm Melissa Mingfoynes, your host, and I am also a clinical psychologist and educator, trauma-informed mindfulness meditation and yoga teacher, and Ayurvedic doula. In today's episode, we'll be focusing on the importance of identifying values, intentions, and goals, all three, in creating meaningful change in our lives. We'll hone in on six key strategies for approaching a change-oriented process and effectively achieving what we want that is purpose-driven, sustainable, and grounded in the real practicalities of our lives. So really honoring the parameters that exist in our lives and can at times feel like barriers to seeking and achieving the kind of meaningful change we're hoping for. As we enter this time of transition at the precipice of this new year of 2021, many of us use this as an opportunity for reflection and setting new goals and intentions for the coming chapter. And in this process, may feel tempted to look online for guidance as to how best to achieve the change we're seeking. And if you do a bit of a Google search and look up the differences between between goals and intentions, you'll likely see a sort of battle about which is more important, which is more effective in sustaining and achieving change. And there are arguments on either side of the equation, which makes you more successful, which helps you live life more authentically towards your goals, regardless of what barriers life might throw at you. And so for those of you who know me, I am all about the importance of what I call dialectics and a dialectical approach is an approach that advocates for multiple truths being held as valid simultaneously so that there is often a kernel of truth in different perspectives. So in this particular values and intentions and goals controversy, I'm really no different. I see all of them as really meaningful and important and as necessary forces in living the lives we want to be living, not the lives that we feel like we should be living or the lives that we are tolerating simply because we can live those lives. So to start, I think it's important to clarify the difference definitionally between intentions and goals. I think of intention as a way of being. It's really about how you are relating to and approaching your life. And intentions often arise from the values that guide our lives and make up the fabric of our belief systems and what matters to us most. So in many ways, values are our compass on a journey. 
They help guide us in the direction we want to head in. They alert us when we are veering off course. And it's a perpetual practice. We don't arrive at north. North is not a destination. It's a direction that we continue to turn our minds and hearts and behaviors towards time and time again, even when there are roadblocks. So if values are our compass and intention is our way of being, Goals are our way of doing. Goals are focused on concrete end results. So you can think of intention as the how, the goals as the what or the doing, and the underlying values as the why or the overall map or landscape in which the being of the intention and the doing of the goals are all occurring. So to use a personal example, one of my deepest personal values in my life is to be a loving presence to my son, someone he can look up to, someone he trusts truly, someone he can go to for comfort and advice even when he may feel ashamed of letting me know what's happening or beaten down and bruised. And when I really reflect on that value – And consider a daily way I can continue to practice that value in a behavioral way in the upcoming year, that reflection on that value helps me connect to my intention, which is to make sure that during the special one-on-one time we spend together daily, I am fully engaged, unhurried, and focused with alt multitasking. The intention of being totally 100% present in mind, body, and spirit in a way that I feel and that registers to him. And those three intentions of engaged, unhurried, and focused can then be broken down into goals and specific action steps. So for example, One goal could be to do a five-minute breathing practice before our one-on-one time each day as a part of my transition or segue into that time together to ensure that I am making the space and time to downregulate my nervous system and soften any residual stress from the day in order to allow me to be more fully present. And after about a month or so or some period of time, I can then reflect on how that's going and whether any changes need to be made to help me feel as though I'm most effectively aligning with my values and intentions and goals. And if I meet barriers or hiccups along the way or start to feel like life is happening in such a way that I I can't make that five-minute practice work or maybe the five-minute practice isn't helping me downregulate my nervous system in the way that I am intending, then I can really circle back to my why of why I'm doing in this in the first place, that I am really doing this practice, this five-minute practice to help me be that much more present in a way that my son really experiences as presence. And that reconnection to my value can help me stay motivated and committed and connected to the behavior. If I am doing something that is hard in the context of my life, in order for it to feel like something than other, just another task or a to-do item on my agenda, if I connect to that deeper underlying value and purpose, that desire to be more present to my son and this five-minute practice 
this as a way to do that, it might help me either recommit and or adjust the practice so that I can make it fit within those parameters of my life and actually serve the purpose it is intended to serve, which is slow me down, prevent me from rushing into that time together. So this personal example points me toward the first strategy I want to highlight today, which is getting clear on your why. Nietzsche once said that a person could stand almost any how if they have a why. And this quote personally resonates with me so deeply because when I am embarking upon a difficult life change or an adjustment in my life, I need to buy into it. I need to have a strong foundation, a strong rationale for why I am asking myself to put in that hard work. So for me, that why is just so crucial to getting through the difficulties of of the how. So as you consider the changes that you want to make in your own life, I'd encourage you to begin from a place of connecting to the values, the fabric of your life that feels most important to you at this particular juncture, at this particular time of transition between 2020 ending and 2021 beginning. So what is the why that underlies the change you are seeking? So if you notice an urge to make a change and aren't sure about how that connects to your deeper value system, you can ask yourself, why does this particular change mean something to me? What might it cost for things to stay the same and not change? And why does that matter? Why do things staying the same matter? And on the flip side, what would I gain if I were able to make this change happen? And why would that matter? What would that say about me? What would that say about my life? What would that say about how I am living my life or relating to my life? So when you can drill down to the heart of why a certain goal or change feels worthwhile to you, it can really motivate and inspire you to follow through with the action steps that is required. And the more specific you can be and the deeper you can go with this exploration and these questions, the better. Because this connection to that deeper sense of meaning and value is often what continues to motivate us when we face challenges. So let's take, for example, a common goal at the beginning of a new year which is to exercise more so maybe a goal of exercising three times a week so if this were your goal you could ask yourself why does this matter to me why does it matter that I exercise three times a week and then once you come up with an answer Ask yourself why to that response and keep asking yourself why until you feel like you've gotten to that juicy crux of your meaning and purpose. So maybe you notice that on the days you exercise, you have more energy and fall asleep more easily at night. And while many of us, maybe most of us, would gladly sign on for more energy and more easeful sleep, Why does that matter to you in the context of your life right now? Why does more energy and more easeful sleep matter to you right now? Maybe your answer to that question is that more energy helps you spend more quality time with your loved ones and sleeping better at night helps you feel more energized and happier and more productive during the daytime. 
And why does that matter to you? Does it help you feel more imbalanced? Does it help you feel like a more engaged friend or partner or parent? Perhaps another why for your desire to exercise is about feeling better about your body, which if you dig deeper, you realize is also about feeling more comfortable initiating sex with your partner, which in turn helps you feel more emotionally connected and aligned with your partner. Maybe you know that osteoporosis runs in your family, and if you engage in more weight-bearing activity at least three times a week, you might have the power to mitigate your risk and potentially prevent the need for medications later in life that might be required to treat bone density issues. So you can see with these various examples, if the goal stays at a more general level of, I want to be healthier, or even something that most people might sign on for, which is I'll have more energy or I'll sleep more soundly, without digging even more deeply into why you want more energy or what that energy will give you or what not having more energy will cost you, the likelihood of accomplishing that goal of exercising three times a week is probably going to be much lower. You can also consider broader questions. So in addition to these questions of the costs of doing or not doing something, thinking about how dedicating time, energy, and resources to this goal might fit into the broader scheme of your life. Will it detract from other goals? Will it make you more able to engage in certain areas of your life? So thinking about the interdependence of some of these action steps and the ripple effects that it might have in a way that is positive and or neutral and or negative, again, as a way to connect to the why. So the second strategy is to get clear on your how. So this is where the intentions come in. So again, intentions in my mind are about a commitment to how we show up. It's how we choose to be regardless of external forces. It's like the tone or the quality that we choose to embody. It's about how we approach our life even if we aren't quite achieving our goals at the rate or the pace or the depth that we would like. So for me, I have a tendency to keep a pretty full plate and cram in as much as possible. My partner often jokes that I have like a 75 second minute because I try to smush in as much as possible. And so my ongoing intention is to approach my life with a slower pace, more simplicity and balance. And the beauty of intentions is that we can practice them regardless of whether or not our goals are being achieved, regardless of what our internal dialogue is saying, because it's about our way of being. It's about our process. It's about our approach. So to circle back to the personal example I shared earlier, even when there are days in which I am distracted during the special one-on-one time with my child, I can notice that distraction in the moment and relate to that distraction with these intentions of balance and simplicity and a slower pace rather than relating to that distraction by frenetically striving towards more focus and more attention on him in a way that's just too intense and kind of misses the point. So even in the process of making a mistake or 
getting off track a bit with your goals, your intention can still be upheld. I can take a deep breath. I can refocus my attention on his face and his body language, maybe even slow down the pace of whatever activity we're doing in the moment. So I can use those intentions as guideposts that can help me reflect on whether there is anything I can shift in the moment or for the next time to help me approach this change I'm trying to make, this way of being in this one-on-one time with him with those intentions more strongly fulfilled. The third key strategy is to get clear on your what. So what exactly you will be doing to work towards the change you desire with these intentions and values as your guideposts and your framework and figuring out one place to start. So the reason that this goal setting is so important is that Setting goals is linked with a variety of positive benefits like increased self-confidence, increased motivation and autonomy, and the list goes on. I think many of us can understand on an intellectual level while goal setting is important because it often does provide us with a structure, a container, a framework within which to strive for or work towards change that being said we often have many different goals at the same time and limited free time in which to try to work towards those goals and so we often need to decide where to begin i so love this chinese proverb dig where the ground is soft because i think that When we are embarking upon change that is difficult, we can often feel stuck about where to begin and how to sustain the amount of energy and effort and work that may be required to continue with this change long term. And soft ground can mean a lot of different things. For me personally, soft ground often means beginning with whatever feels like the easiest or most accessible form of change. Another version of soft ground could also be working toward the kind of change that will produce the fastest results. So that way, the tangible fruits of your labor can be felt more immediately, which can then be reinforcing and help you sustain motivation and commitment in an ongoing way. Soft ground could also be working towards the change that helps us feel most in alignment with ourselves. So if we look at the landscape of our lives and see that there is a particularly salient way in which we are not living our lives in accordance with our values, that there is a an area of our lives where we do see a pretty profound gap between how we are living and how we want to be living or what we feel our values truly are, We can start with the change that feels most directly tied to that important value that holds that heavier emotional weight and meaning and can therefore be rewarding and motivating in that way. Soft ground could also be about your level of commitment and motivation. For example, there may be something you want to change in your life. But as you then reflect on what would be required to make that change and sustain that change... 
you realize that you don't feel all that willing to put in that kind of effort and energy. So you could even force yourself to put a number on it so that you can be fully transparent and honest with yourself. So what is my motivation? What is my willingness to work towards this change on a scale of 0 to 10? 0 being no motivation at all and 10 being the most motivation I could imagine having. And say your motivation is 5 on that 0 to 10 scale, you might decide to then shift your attention and focus on another goal for which you have a higher level of motivation. Or maybe you take a step back and you consider what would be needed to change in my life in order for my motivation to increase from a 5 to say an 8. It doesn't have to be a 10, but perhaps you realize that if you're only moderately motivated at that level of a 5, it's probably going to be hard to stick with it when things get hard. And perhaps increasing your motivation for that goal or making the changes in your life that would be needed to support you in a way that would enhance the motivation for that goal, perhaps that's the first goal, not the other action steps. Maybe it really does need to start with motivation. So for a change that you are considering making in your life, I would encourage you to consider what is your version of soft ground and how can you begin there? The fourth strategy is honing in on one goal that honors everything we've just talked about. Your values, your intentions, your overarching goal that is rooted in soft ground and really fine-tuning the goal with all of that in mind so that you can maximize chances of success. So often it's helpful even if you have a number of goals that you would like to achieve, to really focus on one thing at a time. And again, something that feels meaningful, that is aligned with your version of soft ground, and to frame the goal in a way that is focused more on what you are adding rather than subtracting. So for instance, I want to be less impatient with my son. I I want to rush around less. The flip of that, the more additive version of that could be something like, I want to approach my interactions with him with more ease, with more patience. Um, So figuring out what you are gaining and how to frame the goal in that more growth-oriented gain kind of way rather than what you're losing, what you are giving up. So rather than I want to eat less sugar... I want to eat more of X, Y, and Z. So many of you may be familiar with SMART goals, this acronym SMART, which were developed by George Duran, Arthur Miller, and James Cunningham in 1981. And these tidbits or tips for goals development have infiltrated a lot of health psychology, pop psychology, and our thinking. And while their meaning has evolved over time, they typically are referred to goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And I'll walk through each of these with a little bit more detail. So when you are honing in on this one specific goal that keeps in mind everything we've been talking about, asking yourself, what am I trying to do? What is going to be involved? Where is this going to take place? When will I do it? How will I do it? So being as specific as possible in providing a clear picture of what exactly your goal is. 
Also, M for measurable. How will you measure what you are doing? Primarily so that you can assess your progress and how well or not you are working towards that goal. So how will you know that it has been achieved? So for example, if your goal is to have more self-esteem, what might that look like? How would you know that you had more self-esteem? Would you be doing or not doing certain things in your life differently? Would other people have a sense of this increase in self-esteem and how would they know? How would you know that they knew? Would it be about what they said to you, feedback that they gave, the way that they spoke to you? So really thinking through how will I measure this? Not everything is something that can be measured with a numerical score, but there is value in still trying to think about how will I measure progress? How will I know I'm making progress towards this goal? The A stands for attainable. So making sure that you have the tools that you need to reach your goal, and if you don't, taking a step back and figuring out what needs to be put in place. So if my goal is to, let's say eat more fruits and vegetables on a daily basis? Do I have access to the kind of produce that I'll feel excited about making a more integral part of my day-to-day existence? Do I have the finances to purchase more produce? And if the answer is no, what would need to happen in order for me to have more access to that kind of produce? What would need to happen for me to have more of the funds that would be required? Maybe the tools are not related to finances or access maybe they're related to a certain kind of skill so if I want to increase my self-esteem what kinds of supports and strategies and tools and information do I feel I need in order to be set up well on that path the R stands for realistic so can I meet the goals I am setting forth in a way that acknowledges the reality of my life and what is on my plate and perhaps how tired I am and the sociocultural pressures that I am facing and what kinds of changes might I need to make, whether it is to the goal itself or the parameters of my life that surround the goal in order to make this a more realistic goal. And finally, the T for timely. What is the timeline I want to set to meet my goals? And so you can often work backwards. You can start with your ideal and work backwards to see how realistic that might be. And sometimes that backwards planning can help us stay in touch with the big picture and figure out all of the smaller goals that need to be achieved in order to realize that big picture goal. I think another important consideration is that when goals are very open-ended we often lose motivation we feel like the amount of time we have is somewhat infinite and we don't necessarily have that pressure the key is to find that sweet spot you want to have some pressure towards achieving your goals but not so much pressure that you're stressed out and then it's not realistic There are some newer iterations of SMART goals which add an E and an R to make them smarter goals. And the E stands for evaluation. So making sure that you are continuously iterating, checking in with yourself about progress, seeing if adjustments need to be made to your support structure surrounding your goals and or the goal itself. And then R for rewarding. So again, tying it back to values, making sure that you're really connecting with the 
benefit of the progress that you're making. So often we make progress towards our goals, but we're a bit on autopilot. And so we don't take time to pause and to celebrate our successes. We focus more on what we're not doing rather than what we have achieved. And so really taking the time to slow down and acknowledge our progress and to really feel the emotions associated with that, whether it's pride, whether it's a sense of accomplishment, and perhaps even figuring out how to celebrate that with other people because oftentimes when we can join with other people in honoring and celebrating our accomplishments and successes, it can make it that much sweeter. It can make it that much more meaningful. The fifth strategy is to consider the broader context of you and your life before committing and before starting this path towards your goals in a way that is rooted within the the broader context of values and intention. So there are a number of different considerations that, that I'll put forth that I think are really valuable and can lead us sometimes, again, to reassess our goals, reassess what may be needed for us to work towards before a larger goal or vision or dream. So the first factor to consider is timing. So what kind of timing or life changes would promote pursuit of this goal more effectively? Is there a better time of the year or a better time of the day to be practicing this new skill? or to be introducing this goal. And so really thinking about you personally, perhaps your response to the seasons, looking at the kinds of life stressors and transitions that are happening throughout the course of the year to make sure that you're being judicious about when you are trying to implement the change on a broad scale, but also in a day-to-day kind of way. If you're trying to implement change at the end of a long day of work when you're most tired and depleted, that probably is not going to be the most successful. So really thinking about timing. Also thinking a bit about your personality. So are you someone that likes the adrenaline of a challenge? And if so, perhaps setting a goal that feels very ambitious would be motivating because you can ride the wave of that challenge and that adrenaline. Or are you someone who is prone to feeling like a failure, even when the quote-unquote mistakes that you're making are relatively small in the grand scheme? And so if that's the case, perhaps a set of smaller goals that are a stepwise approach towards a larger goal may be more helpful because you can celebrate those accomplishments along the way without a sense of striving or challenge that is enervating and depleting rather than motivating. Another factor to consider is emotional bandwidth. Is there something that you can do to feel more emotionally prepared to go after this change? So sometimes change requires a bit of a mindset shift. It requires letting go of a pattern in terms of a way of thinking or a way of being. Sometimes it involves confronting a really painful part of our past and also sometimes emotionally we don't have a lot of bandwidth because we're tired or something is happening in the lives of people we love and care about and that is affecting us and so being honest with yourself about emotional bandwidth and again taking a step back and figuring out is there something I can do to widen 
my window of tolerance, to widen my bandwidth that could help me feel more emotionally ready to embark upon this change. Another consideration is knowledge, skills, and abilities. So what foundational skills and knowledge or abilities do you need to develop in order to facilitate support of this goal? So sometimes we kind of skip over this part and go straight for the goal and don't necessarily set ourselves up for success because we haven't built up a sufficient level of knowledge and skills and abilities that would be required for the goal. So say, for example, I want to start a podcast. There may be certain kinds of skills and abilities that I need to develop, certain knowledge that I need to acquire before I just start recording tomorrow. And so that may be the first step. Another consideration is difficulty level. So how difficult of a goal you want to set. Considering that if the goal is harder, change may be slower, which may require more supports being put in place to help you stick with the pursuit of that goal as the pace of change is slower. On the flip side, if it's not hard enough, you may lose interest Or you may not invest enough to begin with because it may not seem like it's that big of a deal. It won't be that hard to achieve. If it's also not that hard, you may not feel that much of a sense of accomplishment. You may invalidate. You may not appreciate your efforts. And so oftentimes something with a moderate level of difficulty is a great balance. But again, this is a very personalized process and that isn't necessarily going to work for everyone. Another consideration is self-efficacy. Do I feel confident in my ability to do this? And if not, what would need to shift for me to feel more confident? Is there something in how I'm thinking about the change or talking to myself about the change? Do I need to bolster my hopefulness about my ability to change? Is there a way that I can learn from past challenges related to a similar kind of behavioral change that will help enhance my confidence and my ability to work towards this one? Another consideration is logistics and what is possible realistically. So say I want to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning to meditate for 20 minutes, but my son wakes up variably, which actually is true. So sometimes he wakes up at 7, sometimes he wakes up at 5.30, and it's very unpredictable. And occasionally he goes through stages of having really disruptive sleep and having a lot of sleep challenges challenges which make us all more tired and therefore more difficult to wake up early in the morning. So in order to make this more realistic within the parameters of my life, I can still set the intention to wake up at 6 a.m. every morning to meditate, but I might also want to come up with a backup plan, which we'll talk about a little bit more later in the off chance that he does have a morning where he wakes up earlier or he's had a really rough night and I've been really sleep deprived and waking up at 6 just doesn't feel possible. Another logistical consideration could be thinking about Well, if I plan out my schedule every day, I do think I could wake up at 6 a.m. every morning to meditate, but that would actually mean I would need to either go to sleep an hour later 
or take some evening time away from the time I typically spend with my family in order to implement this change. So also thinking about even if it's logistically possible, are the logistics of that behavior change, of working towards that goal, somehow taking away from other things in your life in a way that will interfere with your progress and your sense of meaning and connection to the underlying purpose or value that's driving this goal? Another consideration is supports. Do you have enough supports in place that can encourage the process when you are struggling? And all of us are motivated in different ways. Not all of us are necessarily uh, motivated by other people. So if you are motivated by other people, you could consider supports like a coach or a therapist. Could also be a Facebook group of other people working on a similar change. Could be more informal like a friend who can be your accountability buddy. There are also all sorts of apps that can help you track progress. Maybe you need some more child care support or some more financial resources to get child care to support you in carving out time for some of these changes. Maybe you decide that you need to take a certain number of days off per month or per quarter in order to feel like you have enough bandwidth to dedicate the time, the extra time that is going to be required in your life to work towards this change. The sixth strategy focuses on the importance of developing a contingency plan as well as a coping plan. So a plan that helps you not only anticipate barriers to change, but also helps you generate ways of addressing those barriers that again keeps your goals, values, intentions, and broader life context in mind. And at times, this development of a contingency plan or a coping plan, again, might iteratively send you back to earlier strategies in this process and point you towards a different goal, a different timeline, maybe even a different way of structuring your goal. So the first aspect of developing a coping plan is considering your relationship to goal setting. So thinking through what your process tends to be for goal setting and achieving goals. Are you someone who likes goals? Do you hate them? Do you resist them? And why is that? And for you personally, what kinds of things tend to help you stay on track when you're veering away from goals? So some of us are the kinds of people who don't necessarily have a struggle with starting a goal, but we struggle more with staying focused and interested. And so when we become stressed and imbalanced, we tend to get anxious and scattered. And so for those of us who don't have a problem necessarily starting a process of change, but struggle at times with staying focused and engaged, making sure that you set an achievable goal and immerse yourself in engaging activities throughout the change process is an important way of staying motivated. So again, this might come back 
to difficulty level. It might come back to values and intentions, the values that are underlying your why of the goal, your intentions, your way of being as you approach the goal. But it also may be about the stepwise way in which you're approaching your goals and making sure that there is something inherently or intrinsically rewarding about that process of change that is keeping your engagement high. There are those of us who have a relationship to goal setting in which we get so focused that we can easily get burned out or even somehow injured in the process, especially if it's more of a health-related goal, that we just have so much drive and so much determination that there's a bit too much fire. There's a bit too much intensity. And so for those of us who can have that kind of tendency, when there is stress in the change process, we can get somewhat irritable and somewhat intense and difficult to be around. And so if this is a tendency that resonates with you, you might want to consider starting off with something that is more moderate in terms of a goal. And again, keeping intention in mind. And is there a certain way of being as you approach the goal that honors this tendency towards fire? And is there an intention you can set a way of being, a way of approaching the goal that can soften that fire, that can help you approach it with a little bit more ease. And another example are those of us who find it difficult to maybe get energized or motivated at the outset. We have a vision of what we want, but we feel very heavy, very slow. And so when there is stress and we feel pressure to change, even if it's just from an internal source, we can get resistant, we can get stuck, we might even feel stubborn. And so for those of us who veer towards that kind of pattern, it's important to make sure that the incentive for this motivation is clear at the start. The incentive for this goal, the why behind the goal is really key. Of course, the why is key for all of these kinds of tendencies, but I think it's particularly key when we're struggling with motivation at the outset. And to circle back to something that was mentioned earlier, we may need to take a step back and start at the motivational level and consider what would be required to enhance my motivation. Do I need to be more honest with myself about the costs of not changing? Is there something that I can put in place in terms of supports or accountability that will help me feel more motivated? So certainly there is a lot of creativity to be had and the sky is the limit in terms of the number of adjustments and supports we can put into place and these are just a few examples of the kinds of tendencies that we can have but considering our relationship to goal setting in the past and some of these tendencies can be really helpful at the outset to come up with a plan that really keeps these tendencies in mind. It can also be helpful to anticipate barriers. So considering what has interfered with the pursuit of this goal in the past. If this is a goal that you've set time and time again but haven't yet made progress towards, really using that as an opportunity for reflection, not self-deprecation, but a learning opportunity, a reflection to figure out what can be done differently the next time. As we all know, we can't do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. So what is needed to change in order to make this outcome different. 
And also considering what other kinds of barriers have interfered, whether it's with this particular pursuit of a goal in the past or a similar pursuit of a goal. Have I really struggled with hopelessness about my ability to change? And if hopelessness is really my worst enemy, how can I practice hope? What kinds of things can I integrate into my change process to help me build a sense of hope and stay connected to that sense of hope throughout the process as we all know change is often linear often not linear and we can waver in terms of our hopefulness at times in the past has it been difficult to sustain change long term so perhaps you achieve your goal but then sticking with the behaviors that have allowed you to achieve that goal in the long term is difficult and how can that be different this time Do you sometimes struggle in the past with oversimplifying the task? So do you bite off more than you can chew? Do you assume that it's going to be easier than it actually turns out to be in reality to achieve this goal? Perhaps through no fault of your own. Perhaps because of the external forces in your life that are present. In the past, have you misappraised the meaning and the value underlying your intentions and goals? So oftentimes we might think that a certain thing is a representation of a core value and really connect it to something that is deeply meaningful to us. But then when we look back, we realize, huh, maybe that goal wasn't as connected to my value as I thought it was or maybe that value wasn't as much of a priority to me as it felt like it was at the time whether that was because I just miscued whether it was because that value was coming more from my sense of what I should want to be doing or the kind of person I should be whether it's from the messages of society other loved ones So really thinking about whether misappraising that meaning and value has been an issue in the past. Are there certain barriers you can anticipate related to unexpected consequences or outcomes? So as we all know, life can throw us curveballs and can throw us off track. And has that gotten in the way of you achieving your goals in the past? And if so, what kinds of things help you get back on track when unexpected life stressors occur. I know some of us sometimes can really fall prey to very intense black and white thinking where when we fall off track we feel like well what's the point I've already not exercised for two months what's the point of trying again now. Um, So sometimes releasing that black and white thinking is really important. So acknowledging the disappointment that you've lost sight of that goal you haven't been able to work towards that goal for the past two months and also still trying to maintain that intention and to keep moving forward even with that understandable disappointment. And so how will you manage unexpected consequences or outcomes throughout this change process? And then loss of commitment or motivation is a common barrier. And thinking back on past experiences, at what point in the process do you tend to lose commitment or motivation? Sometimes there's a pattern. Sometimes there isn't. But if there is a pattern, you can then anticipate the point at which that might happen for you this time and plan accordingly and have a coping plan in place to address those challenges. So all of these 
barriers that you can anticipate, all of these considerations related to your patterns with goal setting, your relationship to goal setting, can help you come up with a coping plan, a way of addressing these barriers, coming up with some kind of contingency plan if these barriers do arise. So these barriers may not arise this time around, your patterns may not surface, but if they do, there is a strategy, there is a plan in place to support you. The seventh and final strategy is spending time thinking about sustainability and ways that you can sustain change long term. So again, this is a very personal process and can look very different for each of us. But I often think about what kinds of things in terms of cues or variables tend to motivate you as a person. So for example, are you somewhat of a cognitive person? Are you very motivated by logic and science and facts? Are you very motivated by evaluating the pros and cons of changing and not changing? And if so, you might be someone who might benefit from actually writing out a list of pros and cons for change and for not changing or maybe some logical reasoning around why you feel this change is so important so that when you start to lose motivation you can go back to that concrete list. You may be someone who tends to be a bit more visual and so oftentimes some kind of visual cue or representation of the change you are seeking can be really meaningful. So some kind of vision board with images, perhaps some kind of photograph that inspires you to stay connected to the reason, your why of making this change. So something that you can put on your phone, have near your office at your desk, buy an exercise bike, some kind of visual representation that can help you stay motivated. For those of us who tend to feel motivated by something that has an emotional weight, some kind of inspirational quote or story or even a song could be something. I know some people who have a playlist of inspiring songs that they can listen to when they are struggling with motivation. For some of us, it's reflecting on historical figures, people that we look up to and thinking about the challenges they faced and pursuing their goals and using that as a source of motivation, whether it's reading things that they've written, looking at pictures of them online, reading parts of speeches they've given. So trying to figure out some kind of emotional connection that can help us sustain change long term. For many of us, it's relational. So having an accountability partner, someone who can walk alongside you as you make these changes. And maybe they're making a different change. So you're not necessarily exercise buddies or mindfulness meditation buddies, but you support each other. You check in with each other. You offer encouragement when things get hard as you are both working towards something that is meaningful in your life. Sometimes it's simply about letting other people in your life in on what you're doing so they can ask you about it. They can check in with you about it. And sometimes that can be really helpful. Some of us are really motivated by tangible motivators, rewards, whether it's treating ourselves to something nice, a day of self-care, a hike in nature, 
Sometimes it can be a visual tracking of progress, check marks on a to-do list, some kind of visual representation in an app that helps us see progress over time. So if you're someone who benefits from some of those concrete motivators and incentives, thinking through ways that you can support yourself in this sense can be helpful. For many of us, routines are really motivating and so we're more likely to sustain change long term when we're tying a new behavior change to something we're already doing with regularity. So if you pick something you do every day regardless of how much you've slept, what kind of mood you're in, maybe it's brushing your teeth, maybe it's showering, if you in time tie this behavioral change in close proximity to that change or that habit, it might make it more likely that you're able to continue that newer change long term if it's tied in a routine or in proximity to that habit that is already a part of your life. So in essence, you really are using all of these observations about yourself and the kinds of things that tend to motivate you to stick with something long term to set yourself up with this particular goal. So in summary, our values, intentions, and goals are all extremely important and interrelated elements of creating meaningful change. And together, they have a synergistic effect and together are more powerful in helping us create change that can be sustained long term than either element is on its own. Our values are the guideposts of our lives, like the compass that guides us in directions that matter to us, that mean the most. The values are our why. Our intentions are our how or our way of being and our goals are our what or our way of doing. And there are seven key strategies that I find helpful in my own life and in the lives of others that can really support us as we work towards change that is aligned with all three of these important elements, our values, intentions, and goals. The first strategy involves identifying our why or the values that are underlying our desire for change. The second is to consider our how or the intentions with which we want to approach these desired changes. It's like the energy and the spirit of our change process. The third strategy is to identify our what or the concrete goals we'll work toward in order to help us live out our values and intentions in a behavioral way. And this strategy also involves the importance of thoughtfully landing on one place to start. So choosing amongst all of the goals that matter to us and identifying a key starting place. So in other words, digging where the ground is soft. The fourth strategy is to fine-tune that specific goal to maximize our chances of success. The fifth is to consider the broader context of our lives in case any revision to our goals or intentions may be warranted as we more thoughtfully consider what the landscape is in which we are trying to implement these changes. 
The sixth is to anticipate barriers and develop a plan for addressing those barriers based on factors like our relationship to goal setting, factors we tend to find personally motivating, and even lessons from past experiences. And the seventh and final strategy is to consider ways we can sustain change over time that are personalized to meet our unique needs and preferences. As you all know, change is usually not a linear process. And when change is not happening at the pace that we would like, we can feel demoralized, we can feel discouraged, we can even start to lose hope that we are capable of realizing the changes that we are seeking. And so a process of change necessarily will involve at times a recommitment to our efforts, a reconnection to why we're going through these challenges in the first place. And oftentimes we need to meet ourselves with compassion, compassion for any errors we make along the way, for any missteps in terms of not quite aligning with our intentions as closely as we would like, and really recognizing that this process of change and the difficulties we often face in our processes of change are part of the human experience. These are struggles that we all face as human beings. With this recognition that change is often difficult and that these difficulties are a part of our shared human experience, I hope you find these key strategies helpful to you in your own change process and that they provide some support and scaffolding as you embark upon your own next steps towards change. Thank you for listening to the science and soul of living well. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, or leave us a review. If you'd like to reach out or connect more, please follow me on Instagram. I hope you'll join us next time.